How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Ruthless Transgression edition of the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I'm your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jansey. Tim, how's it going, sir? It's going great. Busy as usual, but uh, always good to make time to watch some Sense games, even if they're losing all of them. Yeah, I thought we were already past the the whole us doing episodes where we don't even get a W out of any of them. <laughs> Honestly, this week, they deserved better. They really did. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that, Tim. Now, the only thing that could really improve the fact that we didn't have any Ws this week is talking about our cover athlete for today's episode, Season 6, Episode 22, and Chronological Order, Episode 145, the Patrick... No, hold on, sorry. Episode 146, the Patrick Wercosh edition of the Third Line Plug, sends gas. So, just a little background about Patrick Wercosh. He was drafted 42nd overall by the Ottawa Senators in 2008. He spent parts of five seasons with the Ottawa Senators, recording 12 goals, 50 assists for 62 points in 211 games. Wercosh is an interesting player because he was definitely one of those guys that you thought that he had more under the surface. His limited, his looks in limited ice looked good. He even got to play for Team Canada. And then he went to Colorado and it just didn't happen after that. And he was pretty quickly out of the league. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you're absolutely right. He was one of those guys that I think fans definitely had higher expectations for. But I don't know. I mean, Weirkosh is one of those guys where it's kind of hard to really say much about him because I don't really remember <coughs> too much as an Ottawa Senator. Well, it's interesting because like he did play for the Sens up to that 2015-2016 season was the last one he played. And he was one of those players where the defense wasn't great, but he was able to kind of push offense. And it wasn't like he was only playing like 10 games a season, right? He was playing 50, 40, 50 games each season, right? Correct. He's definitely one of those players that I would say I remember him from the EA games, just not as a senator. Well, I re- like I remember him being like, this is a guy that has potential and then I just never put it together. And then he was out. Yeah, which really sucks, given that in the first round of that draft, we got Eric. Yeah. So those are still pretty high expectations when you go in the next round and now you're I don't want to say you're kind of expected to match those expectations, but there's an expectation of, okay, we're hoping to have a quality defenseman here. Right. No, that's fair. Yeah. So as much as honestly, I could sit here and try to make like, I can talk about P- Patrick Wirkosh. It only delayed the inevitable that we need to announce next week's cover athlete for season six, episode 23 and chronological order episode 147. And I did get that right. It's the Mark Castle condition. Well, it'll be a fun one. Young, up-and-coming, shut-down defenseman. Is it Marcus like a forward? Did I say defenseman? Yeah, young, up-and-coming, shut-down forward. Man. You blew it. I blew it. Well, I'll tell you, Tim, you could redeem yourself by answering the question that the fans love knowing every single week. How's your week been going? Pretty good. I tried a new soup recipe, and it's bad. Okay, what kind of soup recipe? So it was supposed to be like I was trying to think of a uh, like a Korean tofu soup. Uh, so kimchi and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I found one online and okay, here's the first fault. I I have an old Korean recipe book and I should I forgot I had it. I should have used that. The second one it asked for a small daikon and I should have knew that should have been uh, my first sign of trouble because there's no such thing as a small daikon. And then uh, we tried to buy, we tried to buy kimchi, and we thought, ah, that's something that's common enough that we won't have to go to like the Korean specialty grocer. The only kimchi we found, we went to like Co-op and Safeway, was this bullshit miso and horseshoe horseradish mixed kimchi, right? Okay. That it, it doesn't taste like kimchi. I'm just gonna be out there. So we just got this really bitter soup. Okay, was it one of the mass-produced sort of kimchi's you bought? It was like trying to pass it off as like some artisan bullshit. But it just wasn't, it wasn't kimchi. Like, sure, it was pickled cabbage, but it wasn't like spicy. And it didn't have like the same flavor, kind of the sweet spicy flavor palette that kimchi has. It had like 
a horseradish flavor profile. That's unfortunate. So you, basically what I'm hearing is that it's one of those things where you should have just gone to the Korean grocer. And I should have just gone to the Korean grocer. And then I looked at my recipe book later and uh, it didn't call for die like their version of the student call for daikon at all. Okay. Was it just one of the recipes you found on Google? Yeah. Okay. So I, I do get a question regarding the recipe because, <clears throat> you know, I worked at a school, I worked in kitchens for years. The one thing that I always noticed you hear me there? Nudist. It's noticed. Noticed. Yep. This is why only one of us went to college, Tim. Anyway, <laughs> is that, you know, when you get recipes off of Google, whatever site it is, they'll always have some bullshit 10 minute story involved. Like, you know, I was going for a walk one day and I saw this pine cone and I said, hey, you know, what would be great. Tofu stew. Tofu stew. Exactly. Was it just one? Now, was it was that sort of? The no. Thing? It just gave you the recipe? Yeah, it just gave you the recipe. Perfect. See, this is what people in Google and the internet need to figure out. We don't want to hear your life story. Just give us the recipe. So the reason why they do that is uh, it's search engine optimization. So they're trying to get a higher hit on Google. So they appear further up the rankings. That's why that story's there. So really, it should be Google should... I wish Google could find a way to punish that sort of bullshit because like, yeah, SEO has actually just made search engines useless. Like, have you noticed that like you never get what you're looking for on Google anymore? Yeah. But I find with stuff like that, you could always just go to YouTube because usually on YouTube, they would give you a recipe, whatever, but they might have a really cool, interesting idea of how to do it. Like maybe yeah, but it's like, how did web search go so bad, Tay? Like it used to actually, Google used to be pretty good back in like 2010, right? I think it's because of money. I think once you started making money off of it, I think that's when all the bullshit came up. And... Yeah, but like people were making money off the internet, like in the mid 2000s, right? Oh, like, I wonder what happened. Scott, you were making money hand over fist before the bubble burst. Yeah, but it's like, I wonder what, like how, like I wonder if it's just Google made some, yeah, I really want to know what has led to uh, just the complete degradation of search. Keyword search is a useful thing. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure where or how it all got ruined, but yeah, I don't know. Like, when's the last time like you found exactly what you were looking for the first time your first search on Google without having to like refactor it or go to YouTube or something like that? Okay, that's a good question. When was the last time? Give me a second. Let me let me think about that for a second. That's a good question. Hmm. Fuck, I don't know because usually when I'm on Google, I'm usually looking up like say hockey stuff or email or whatever. But even then I'll go right to like if I'm looking for hockey stats, I'll go right to either hockey ref or hockey db, depending if it's like draft or that sort of information you yeah know. usually for that i just type it in yeah five inch first thing it pops up i think it was a couple like a couple weeks ago was the last time it happened okay. but i wasn't look i was looking for something very specific where i essentially just put the name of the thing right into the search engine yeah i don't know I, you would think that it would be one of the first things or google would have an idea of what you're trying to look for yeah actually i think the funniest one is sometimes I'll put in academic papers and I won't get the paper I'm looking for, even though I have a citation right in front of me. Oh, they'll have like 20 other things that go along with it. Yeah. Or like papers with similar names. See, I can imagine that would be a big piss off. See, yeah. I, oh, it is. Yeah. hundred percent. No, I totally would agree with you on that. I just love the fact that we're in our thirties and now we're complaining about search engines on a podcast. Are we boomers? Hmm. No, I think in maybe another 10, 15 years, maybe. What would be the appropriate boomer age for that? Is it in your 40s? Maybe How old was Tim Allen when he did Home Improvement? I think Tim Allen was in his... Ooh, that's a good question. I think he... I want to say 40s? I want to say 40s, yeah. I'm going to quickly look this up. I will say... 
How old was Tim Allen? Okay, so Tim Allen. Uh, doesn't really say. Okay, here's another thing that fucking pisses me off. Is I put in, how old was Tim Allen when Home Improvement aired? And they'll have like Tim Allen's Wikipedia, Home Improvement's Wikipedia. People also ask, how old were the characters on Home Improvement? How much did Tim Allen make per year episode? That would have been 50. That's not what I asked. Yeah, but it's like the worst thing is, is I had to do the just do the mental math. So I went to the Wikipedia page. Tim Allen is sixty-nine. Yeah, he was so he'll be 70 this year. He would have turned 50 during the show's run. No. Sorry, no, he would have turned 30 during the show's run. Man, I could do math. No, no that's not right. 40. He would have turned 40 during the show's run. Yeah, because I think I, I want to say home improvement 91. Yeah, 91. 38. <clears throat> 38 when the show first happened. Okay, we're not there yet. Yeah. I don't know about you, but home improvement. I don't know if you how much you watched home improvement when you were growing up, but for me, if it was on TV. I mean, I watched it. It wasn't like one of my favorite shows, but it was like comfort. It was very comforting to watch and just be like, okay. It was what it was. I I don't remember anything about Home Improvement. Let's be real. I think the only thing I really remember from, I think a lot of people took away from Home Improvement is that, was that Al Borland now is like the inspiration for fat guys in their 30s who grow a beard and wear flannel. <laughs> yeah. yeah i could definitely see that being a trope yeah the only thing he's missing is like what would he be missing maybe a man bun man buns aren't even really a thing anymore but it's like if he has like a really if he had like tattoo sleeves and maybe like a beige hat Huh. Yeah. But that's all he's really missing. Yeah. What happened? It's kind of... What else did... What, what else did Richard Carn even do? Oh. Just a lot of TV. Okay, I got one. Family Feud. He was the host of Family right. Feud. Right. He was. Yeah, and that was in that era of Family Feud where... Like, he was the host for a long time... Louis Anderson was the host for a long time. I do remember that. Steve Harvey's been there for like 10 years at this point. Steve Harvey, yeah. I mean, Tom Bergeron, I think, was the host of America's Funniest Home Videos for like 15 years. For about as long as we... Like, yeah, whenever I think of uh, America's Funniest Home Videos, I think of Tom Bergeron, right? Yeah. And he was like oddly good at that he he was kind of a bit of a weird I don't, he's, he wasn't weird i'm not yeah. trying to put that but he was a little bit of an he was a little bit odd he was a bit of an oddly like he was kind of goofy in his own little way and it was fun yeah yeah you had yeah you went from like bob saget who was like the complete opposite of what he was in stand-up to bergeron and now you got carlton from fresh prince of bel-air hosting it <laughs> And honestly, he's been great. No, he's pretty good at it. He's pretty good at it. Because honestly, Chelsea and I have just been starting to watch Steve Harvey clip, like just watching old episodes of Family Feud because it's just very funny. Like as much as like half of it is just people clipping up random episodes. Mm -hmm. Every episode has at least a couple absolute banger lines from Steve or something that one of the families said it he just kind of was like what yeah i know i'm trying to remember the one of them was like name something that would make a person scream and an old lady's like having sex and steve <laughs> harvey's just like well fuck i still think one of my all-time favorites was when they're doing part of the show where you had the, the one-on-one -on -one contestants yeah, you have to do the quickest to the draw, and you have to answer. Yeah. One of them was, uh, "What is something? What is what are two things that men would like in bed?" And the one guy's like, "Women, Steve." He's like, 
And the one guy who's like a pastor, he looks at him and goes, all right, I'll give you that. And he gives him one of those. <laughs> and he's like, Justin. And the guy's like a pastor. And he's like, yeah, he just dabs him. He's like, yeah, I'll give you that. I'll yeah. give you that. Oh, what was the dumb? Actually, I remember uh, one episode. It was the Celebrity Family Feud with uh, the guys from Jackass. Okay. And Johnny Knoxville had a taser. And Steve Harvey started, like, I think Steve Harvey got in on tasing people. Why does that not surprise me? <laughs> so funny. God. Yeah, the, the celebrity ones could be really funny. They have with Terry Bradshaw's family. And that was actually pretty good because, like, Terry has his own reality show. And his family is actually very genuinely funny. Oh, yeah. And, like, half of it was Terry Bradshaw just making uh, shotgun jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh... This episode of Third Line Plugs turned into the Family Feud episode of Third Line Plugs. Pretty much, yeah. We went from, well, it's the Boomer episode. We went from complaining about search engines to Tim Allen and Home Improvement. Family we referenced Feud. America's Funniest Home Videos, which has been completely obsoleted by YouTube and now uh, TikTok. Yeah. I think now, I think they're just getting videos off of YouTube. Oh, for sure. That's all they're doing. And even that, I mean, and there's even people doing compilations of that kind of stuff. Well, my favorite one on, so like Chelsea watches those uh, stupid Facebook, like the Facebook equivalent of TikTok, right? Oh, is that the one? Oh, the The shorts? reels? Yeah. I don't know what they're called. I don't give a, I, I don't care for them. But my favorite one is that, and these are so low effort. They'll steal someone else's uh, Minecraft footage, then put a Reddit post on top of it, and then get the text to voice to read the Reddit post. And I'm like, guys, could you? And then like they'll put an ad at the bottom. It's like, this is just making money off of someone else. Someone else's stolen useless crap. <laughs> so I I just looked it up. I think the Facebook equivalent is just called Watch. Okay, but it's yeah. like this is what's got all the zoomers enthralled. Like, what's going on? Yeah. Oh, it's Instagram. That's the one that had the reels. Instagram. Okay. Okay. It. I think this is the point where I have to admit that I, I, I am not with it. Yeah, you used to be with it, and then they changed what it was. Yeah. Now, what is it? Isn't it? And what's it? Seems weird and scary to you. Yeah. That it is exactly the Grandpa Simpson quote. It's sad. It happened to me. It's sad how accurate that is. Yeah, I think for me, the line is definitely TikTok. I I could get that. I mean, I would say probably 10 years ago, I think for I think for people, the line was Vine. Vine was definitely the line they would not cross, and now it's just turned into TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Line and tip talk are basically the same thing, right? Oh, 100%. 100%. So I do want to talk a little bit about my week because something that we haven't mentioned yet in this episode, Tim, it was one year ago, this past week, Third Line Pluck became famous. Oh, yeah. One of our tweets showed up in the background of a Sportsnet thing. Yeah, March 15th. It popped up in my Facebook members. I completely, I don't want to say I forgot about it, but I couldn't have told you off the top of my head what date it was. And then it popped up in my memories. And I was like, oh, oh that's yeah. neat. I remember when Tim and I became famous. For like a hot second. A hot second. And you know what's hilarious about that? Uh-huh. I don't think I knew about it until Amos on Twitter tweeted at us. <laughs> it was like, Oh my god, at their late plug, you guys are famous! <laughs> at the screenshot, and I'm like, no way. I mean, it, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Oh my god, it was just such a surreal moment. Like, when you're... Because I remember, because I was in, going to Vancouver watching the... Who did I see? I saw the Flames. saw the Flames play the Can Canucks with Katrina this time last year. And we were walking around to Lawson Mills at the mall. 
and they had the Tim Stutzler segment and our tweet popped up and I was like looking at it going, that's ours. That's our show. <laughs> we Such did a that. surreal moment. So cool. So cool. Now, I. it's funny that you mentioned soup, Tim, because we've told the story about the rainbow soup on the show, correct? I believe we have, yeah. Okay, so for people who are maybe new to the show, first of all, he's Tim. I'm Taylor. Hi, how are you? <laughs> now, the story of the rainbow soup is a good one. Okay, so for those who don't know, Tim and I went to school together. We went to a Catholic school together, and when we were in grade nine, our lockers were directly next to each other. Yeah. And so I remember one day for lunch, I brought some soup in a thermos, and I was like, I ate the soup. I wasn't super hungry. I ate the soup. I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll eat it later. I'll throw it back in my locker. I'll take it home. Fast forward in about three weeks. We're at school, and do you remember, like, I remember, like, all the classrooms, like, bailed out into the hallway, and there was, like, what? Like, the entire hallway was just full, and we're searching every single locker trying to find the smell. And we're like, what the frick is that smell? Yeah. And then you were standing in next to your locker, and you're like, uh, hey, Tay? And I was like, yeah. I think this smell is coming from your locker. And I was like, no, it's not. Come on. And I open it. It's like, holy crap. No, you're right. It is. Yep. And we found the thermos at the bottom of the locker and he opened it. It was rainbow colors inside. Just like on top. It was just like, like how do we describe that? It was like, Oh my god, I don't even know how to describe it, but yeah, it was just like a rainbow on top of like it was oh. like a film, yeah. Yeah, and it was like, oh god, the smell was unbearable. And so this past week, I was going to the gym and I got to the bottom of the hill where Katrina lives, and she phones me. Yep. And I was like, okay, maybe she wants me to get some from town, whatever. So I pick up. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? She goes, hey, what's that container in the microwave? And I was like, what? What micro? Like, what are you talking about? What container? He's like, yeah, I just opened the microwave and there's a, a contain, like a liter container in there that has some liquid in it and it smells like, it smells awful. It sounds something, smells like something rotted in there. And I had to clean it out. I almost vomited. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't. I don't know what you're talking about. And I got to the gym and the first thought in my head was thinking about, I was thinking about this in my head. I was like, <laughs> I don't get it. What containers? Like, did I sleepwalk and threw something in there? No. Was I doing something? I don't know. And then I realized, Oh, right. Because like a week and a half prior, I had this great idea. Oh no. I was going to make hot chicken sandwiches for dinner. Yeah. And so I was going to make gravy. Well, me being me, I don't read the instructions on how to fucking make it. I just like, I look at, okay, throw it in, throw some water. It's in. I put way too much water. Like yeah. the packet was a normal packet, just one packet. There was like that much water in it. I was like, oh, fuck. Okay. That's probably what it was because I made it. I realized that I didn't make it correct. And I just left it in there. Oh, yeah, that would do it. And the funny thing is, and I thought immediately about the rainbow soup and I messaged you the next day and I was like, Tim, I had the adult version of rainbow soup. And you're like, oh, God, what happened? And I told you and he's, you're just like, was it as bad as the time I made the soup? That was up the soup. That was the soup in the crock pot, correct? Yep. And you know what's funny? I actually low-key forgot about that till you told me that. I was like, oh my god. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I mean, Christ, you do six seasons of the show. You're bound to forget some stuff, Tim. Yeah. Well, there's certain things that we just never let go. Which is going to happen at a six-season show as well. Right? I mean, there's, I mean, there's so many things that you don't, don't let go, Tim. And one of the things I don't let go 
is this little segue into this segment I like to call Top of the Hour. Yeah, I just dropped the earrings on the floor. It's fine. It's, it's all good because we got top of the air now we grilling the nice thing about top of the air tim while we don't have many stories to talk about this week we do have a couple and, and they're good ones we're gonna get some good discussion out of this now let's start off top of the hour by talking about gary bettman because nhl commissioner gary bettman he did a press conference this past week and the topic of nhl expansion came up now, Gary was very quick to point out that the NHL is not planning on expanding. They're not looking into expansion. Now, the reason why he brought this up is because there's three cities who have expressed interest in expansion teams. Now, the yep. first two are going to be obvious because we've talked about this in the past. Houston, Texas, and Quebec City. Now, the reason why I'm including this is because there was a third city involved with this. Atlanta. Okay. Now, huh. we've talked about the Atlanta Thrashers in the past, and we've talked about how they were poorly run, and we talked about hockey in Atlanta and all that stuff. But the re reason why I want to bring this up is because I recall, I want to say it was a month or two ago, former NHLer Anson Carter tweeted out that there was a potential, a potential group in Atlanta that wanted to bring the NHL back. And I remember that Kevin Weeks quote tweeted it and whatever, and it just got me thinking about Atlanta because honestly, the NHL now for expansion, they're basically putting these teams in a position where they can't fail. Yeah. Because honestly, if you're an expansion team now and you're given every opportunity that Seattle and Vegas are given, if you don't succeed, that's on you. That's not on the league. Yeah. Now, I want to get your take on this, Tim, because I know with your educational background, like, what do you make about, is there a demand for hockey in Atlanta? Well, I've never been to Atlanta, and I can't say that I really look much at Atlanta. Like, Atlanta is one of the biggest cities and fastest growing metro areas in the United States. And the other Atlanta teams seem to do quite well. And of course, like, the Thrashers were incompetently run. But yeah, hard to say. Yeah, I just, I don't know if the demand for the NHL is really that high in Atlanta. Because honestly, the big thing that I've really noticed with the NHL is a lot has changed in 12 years. When the Thrashers left for Winnipeg in 2011, the problem was when you look at these cities, there's a demand for the NHL in these cities. There's a demand for the NHL in Quebec City. There's a demand, I would imagine. In Houston. Especially with the success the Dallas Stars have had in Texas. Yeah, and there is a natural rivalry between uh, Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio. So you would have that built-in rivalry. But when it comes to the demand, I don't know if it's there for Atlanta. Because Atlanta, from what I've always noticed, Atlanta, they're big into two teams. The Braves and the Georgia Bulldogs. Right. So the the NFL team and the NBA team are kind of also Rams. Yeah, like they're, they're popular. Like they are successful. They are popular within their fan bases and whatever, but... I would say for the majority of, and if there's anybody from Atlanta listening to this and they want to message us and let us know if we're talking out of our ass, please feel free because I want to get your guys' take on this. And I feel that with Atlanta, it's that, again, the only thing I could really base this on is the success that Atlanta's having with their East Coast team, the Gladiators. Right. This is basically, that's all I can really base this off is that the Atlanta Gladiators they're successful for what they are in, in Atlanta but I don't know and the big thing for me is is the NHL really willing to go back to that well this time I would imagine no they've done it twice and you failed twice but also a big thing for me Tim 
And I was in a sports store in Victoria a couple of weeks ago, and I saw an Atlanta Flames jersey. And I thought, wow, that's crazy. You never see Atlanta Flames stuff. That's like the first jersey I've ever seen of theirs. And the one thing for me is it comes down to two things. I don't know if there's really any nostalgia. I, I can't say if there's really any nostalgia for the Thrashers outside of, yeah, they had Kovachuk and they had Heatley and these guys. But also with the NHL doing their reverse retro series and their classic jersey lines that they're coming back with the old school jerseys, the Thrashers are not one of those teams that they're bringing jerseys back for. Even though Winnipeg had a great, I've, I've always said this, Winnipeg had a great opportunity with the reverse retro. You do their their original away with like the dark blue and the maroon and the burnt gold or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. And with the T, do that jersey in Winnipeg colors and use the T as a fighter jet. Yeah, like that would look good. But yeah, so like Atlanta is a it's a funny city because like it is the eighth largest metro in the US, population six million people. But like just looking at the Hawks, for instance, uh, they routinely are in the bottom of the NBA. Over the last 10 years, they've been routinely in the bottom of the NBA for attendance. And it looks like it's the Hawks are definitely one of those teams, like when they're good, fans will come. Otherwise, eh. They definitely give me fair weather fan vibes. Yeah. And the fact that the Thrashers could never figure it out. Mm-hmm. But even with the Falcons, too, the Falcons, I would be interested to see what their attendance is compared to the rest of the NFL because they're a bottom, God, bottom feeder right now. They're playing in that, I think it's Mercedes Benz Stadium or where the hell they're playing in Atlanta. Like, that's a good, that's a large stadium, right? It is. And especially if you get like the Georgia Bulldogs playing in there for like, say, a national championship game or whatever you're playing in that stadium. Yeah. College football is, especially as Georgia's in the South, college football is king. You cannot underestimate how big college sports is in the South. Oh, yeah. Like, Alamator's a huge deal. But, you know, and you made a comment there about Atlanta. It was one of the fastest growing metropolitans in America. Do you feel that, same in the same way we talk about Phoenix, because there's, I would imagine, quite a few transplants that go there. Do you feel that there's a lot of people who are transplants that may not cheer for the local teams? That's entirely possible. But even in transplant cities, you can get quite the attendance. Like, and especially for the NFL that just doesn't play that many games, you get eight home games. I think it's nine now. I think they're to 17 games a season. Okay. But yeah, you get you get your nine home games. You'll probably get enough transplants cheering for the other city's team to fill your stadium. So it's not quite like hockey or baseball where you play every other team at least once. So there's gonna be those those games where people are like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. But it all it's also one of those things where you would have to have a team on the ice that's a winner because casual fans do not want to see a losing team. Yeah. Sorry, just to talk about the Atlanta Falcons, because I was talking about their average regular season attendance for the home. Now, of course, with the the COVID pandemic of 2020, they only had 8,800 people. Their average attendance, and you made a great point that there's a lot of transplants, 69,000 they average in that stadium per game. And I don't know, let's see, 69 Atlanta Falcons stadium. Atlanta does pretty, seems to do pretty well, even if their team is garbage. Yeah, 71,000. It can be expended to 75. Yeah. So. Well, actually, like, yeah, Atlanta is super variable when it comes to attendance. 2020, it depends. That's not a real year. Yeah, so like Atlanta bounces a lot for the Falcon attendance. So I think Fairweather fan probably isn't a bad descriptor. Mm -hmm. 
again, I mean, Gary Bettman made it very clear, like they're not doing expansion. And that's fair because the NHL right now is in a pretty healthy state when it comes to the teams. It's not like 10, 15 years ago where you would have three, four, five teams that were just bleeding money on their teams. Like if you exclude the Coyotes, obviously, because they're playing in a 5,000 seat arena. Honestly, is there even a team in the NHL that's really losing money on their teams? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. If you really think about it, because I can't think of one. Maybe. Well, one, I guess if they discharge once a lot of the debt against the senders is discharged, I would imagine like the senders are probably quite profitable when you get average or above average attendance. Yeah, which the Sens have been able to get this past season. Yeah. So I imagine the Sens are profitable. Yeah, I can't even really think of a non-profitable team. Yeah, so it's not like, again, it's not like when the Thrashers left originally where you had teams that were struggling in markets and they were talking about maybe expansion. Like even when the Vegas Golden Knights first came in, you could look at other teams. I mean, you could look at Arizona... I would even throw New Jersey in that list of teams that were surprisingly losing money on the teams. But I think they, every team's in a pretty healthy spot, so relocation is completely out of the question. I think so as well. Although Houston does give a reasonable escape valve if uh, the reclamation project in Phoenix fails. Yeah, and that was the big thing I was going to mention. Like, the Coyotes, I don't see them relocating except, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it's Tempe. They have their... Tempe, yeah. Tempe, they, or Tempe, they have the, the vote on right now. But apparently, from when I last heard about it, it seemed like that was going to go in Arizona's favor, so... That's what I'm hearing as well. I saw in the news as well, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, I... So the cold out on Atlanta, yeah, I don't see it. If I'm being honest. Yeah. Like I said, I don't think the demand is there for the Thrashers to come back. The NHL's really not doing anything with like like I said, with the first retros. Now, sometime down the road with, with the reverse retros, maybe Winnipeg does something with the Thrasher logo or something with their jerseys, but I just don't see it. Yeah. No, that's fair. So we're going to give a quick shout out to Edmonton Oilers captain Connor McDavid, who surpassed Nikita Kucherov for the highest single point total among active players with 129. It was only a matter of time the way he's playing this season. I mean, what's McDavid? McDavid has to be over 140 right now. Or pretty close to it. Yeah. I don't even really want to think about it, to be honest. Just the guy is doing what was supposedly impossible during this the modern era with uh, better goalies, salary caps, all that stuff. And 134 points, 58 goals, 76 assists. The stat line is stupid. Yeah, and he's doing it just he's toiling with teams now. Yeah. Like it's it's sick what that guy can really do. Yeah, him, Dreisaitl, and Kane. And now that they, they have a proper defenseman in Matthias Ekmo, Ekholm, yeah, it's dumb. Yeah. You know what's also dumb, Tim? Jordan Bennington. Uh, yep. St. Louis Blues goaltender Jordan Bennington was suspended two games for roughing slash unsportsmanlike conduct during the team's game versus the Minnesota Wild. I'm just going to say right now, the reason why he did he got a suspension is because the refs wouldn't let him fight Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah. Imagine how great that would have been, because he was mic'd up and everything. He's like, Fleury's like, no, 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 let me go. It's like, no. I would have watched, I would have loved to watch uh, Marc-Andre Fleury beat the shit out of Connor Bennington, Jordan Bennington. I think okay, so let's talk about Jordan Bennington because you know he's been a goalie in the last couple of years who's just been so polarizing among hockey fans. Some people like the antics, 
a lot of people don't like the antics. The problem is, is like the play doesn't back it up anymore. He had yeah. one year where he won the cup, and then yeah, yeah, pretty much. So yeah, you you can't just be running your mouth, throwing your gloves all over the place, just kind of being a baby bit. You know. Yeah, I understand St. Louis is in a rebuild, but Jordan Bennington has not been good, regardless. Yeah, he has not. No, honestly, I'm fine with him getting the suspension, to be honest with you. He's just, I, again, I I don't know where I stand on his antics, to be honest with you, because it gives us something to talk about on the podcast, but at the same time, it's, you're you're just an idiot. Yeah. The guy's a massive weenie. Yeah. I mean, people can compare him to, say, a Ron Hextall or a Ray Emery, guys like that. Those guys can at least back it up. Yeah. Bennington just can't. Yeah. So like I said, Tim, Top of the Air is going to be a really short one this week, and we're going to close it out by talking about National Predators have re-signed forward Mark Jankowski to a one-year $775,000 contract. Jankowski had recorded five goals, three assists for eight points in 33 games for Nashville at the time of the signing. I don't know much about Jankowski, to be honest. It's definitely one of those players that kind of disappears on the West Coast and looking at hockey biz, he just seems like one of those kind of stay-at-home forward types that they're not going to cheat you on defensive effort, penalty kill specialist, but no real offensive upside other than an all-right finish. So yeah, not really sure what we see here. You know, it's always really funny, Tim, because you made a mention about Nashville being in the West. Nashville is a team in the South. Yeah. I find yeah. that, I find that really funny that the Predators are technically could, you could put them in the Eastern Conference, given that they're, you know. Like how far East Tennessee actually is. Yes. I actually wonder if there's that, if there's East Coast teams that are further West than uh, the Thrashers. Sorry, the Predators. So I don't think there are just because of how East biased the American, like, well, I think over 50% of the American population is actually just on the Eastern seaboard. Yeah. Well, what about Columbus? Columbus could be considered a Western conference team. Yeah. But Ohio's in that weird, like gray area of where exactly would you put them? Yeah. Cause like Ohio. Yeah. I'm not sure who's actually further where is Tennessee? Sorry, where is Nashville within Tennessee? Because I think Columbus is on the east side. Yeah, so this is where my American geography starts to fall. Ah, Nashville's far enough, far enough west. Like it's only a, it's not too far east of Chicago. Okay, it's definitely west of Columbus. Ah, uh, okay. Fair enough, Tim. Well, Tim, that wraps up Top of the Air for this week, which can mean only one thing. It's time to start talking about some games. Now, we got three games on the schedule. We've got the Sens versus the Oilers, Avalanche versus the Senators, and the Battle of Ontario between the Leafs and the Sens. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Holler! If you hear me! Okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Sens versus the Oilers. This is a 6-3 Oilers victory. Sens goes to score by Tim Stutzla with two and Brady Dechuk. Oilers goes to score by Leon Dreisel with two, Derek Ryan, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Nick Bierstrang, and Connor McDavid. Shots were 33-32 for Edmonton. First comment I got to make, those Oilers jerseys, those like dark blue and the orange. Yeah. I don't like them. Yeah, they are a little weird. They just, they really, really are bad. 
And honestly, regarding this game, I didn't get a chance to watch much of this game. But from what I saw, and I did watch all of the second period, Ottawa looked really outmatched. Oh, yeah. Until about the third period, it was definitely a game where... Ed- it was a weird game because like Ottawa came out pretty strong. Then end of the first, most of the second, Edmonton just turned on the Jets. And then the game was basically a foregone conclusion, including a, a three goal, almost five goal second period. Yeah, it's definitely one of those games that I think since the bubble year, I think watching the Sens play the Oilers is just one of those things are like, we're not going to beat them. Well, it's like, for whatever reason, Edmonton brings their A game against the Sens. Because, like, Edmonton's usual weaknesses weren't showing in this game. Like, the defense was active and moving well. The depth score, the depth was getting involved. Like, you had goals from Derek Ryan and Nick Bugstad. Like, a lot of the things that Edmonton is rightly fully criticized for just weren't present in this game. We saw Stuart Skinner instead of uh, Jack Campbell. And admittedly, Sogard didn't play his best game. Mm -mm. But that's just going to happen when uh, the defense can't contain Connor McDavid. Yeah, but I mean, there's so very few defenses that can. That's that, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like we were saying in top of the hour. Top of the hour is just like this. What he can do is just insane. Yep. Yeah. So I got to say, Tim, if you were a German hockey fan, you loved this game, and you were very. I would imagine it made Germany very proud because you had Tim Stutzler with two goals and four shots. Dry Settle had two goals. I mean, what can you say about Tim and Leon? What else hasn't been said? These are probably the best German players we've ever seen. Yeah. And Tim Stutzla is only 21. Yeah, and we'll definitely talk about him later in this episode because I tell you, like, this guy's 21 years old. We have him for another eight years. And he's on the doorstep of 40 goals this year. Yep. On a team that is undershooting. Yep. Like, this, and it's not like this is a, a fluke leader that came out of nowhere. This year has is building on steps that he took last year. I expect his growth to continue and Tim Stutzla to be one of the preeminent forwards in the NHL going forward. He has to be. He has to be, especially Seaboard, where you have Germany as really an untapped market for the NHL. So I'm glad, like, even the German NHL Twitter account was talking about him the other night. So, yeah, it's pretty good. And, of course, Brady DeChuck also had a goal on four shots in this game. It was a classic Brady goal. What can you say? Yep, muckraking at its finest. And Debrinkit got robbed once again. Just, like, I just feel bad for the guy at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's story, story of the season for him. Avalanche versus Senators. This is a 5-4 Avalanche victory. Avalanche goes scored by Kale McCarr, Valerie Nishushkin, Miko Ratanen, Evan Rodriguez, and Lars Eller. I think you made a little mistake on the last one there. That, that one was scored by the referees. You're right. You are right. You're right. I didn't thank you for pointing that out, Tim. Sens go to score by Drake Batherson, Shane Pinto, Travis Hamanek, and Ready to Chuck. Shots for 38-30 for Ottawa. Yeah, that Lars Eller goal, that should have been blown dead. I like that that was an icing. Like, I don't know how the offensive linesman waved that one off. One, two, Sogard had the puck, but you got unfortunately you gotta keep playing until the puck until the whistle goes even if and like that's the thing is like everyone thought that play was dead and the annoying thing is is the ref had the chance to fix that play by just saying yeah i intended to blow the whistle and then no didn't take it like that is this is a game that ottawa should have won like despite coming out flat 
after the first five minutes, Ottawa, Ottawa was the better team. Yeah, and it's a shame I didn't actually get a chance to watch this game, but I will comment on one thing, Tim, because on the Ottawa Senators' Google page, yep, if you click on the game, you know, they give you the box score and whatever, but if you go right to the bottom, or sorry, not to the bottom, if you go right to game recap, yep. they have the recap as, the only way I can describe it is, is like Instagram stories. Or basically, yeah. it's like quick videos, you can like scroll through them. I found it to be very useful because it just gives me what I want. I want to see who scored saves and that's it. Oh yeah. They've been doing those forever. I know. I really like them. I've really been using them more recently just because again, it it saves time to watching like the nine minute recap on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, obviously with the recap on YouTube, you will miss stuff that you don't get with the, those stories, but that is one of those things. Now, we're talking about Tim Stutzler here. Tim, three assists and three shots. We, you know, we're talking about, like, he is going to hit 80 points. There's no two ways about that. The big question for me, because we still got, I don't know, X amount of games left to go, is 90 out of the question. I don't think so. I think he's at 77 or something, 76 right now. 90's not out of the question, but Ottawa's running out of track. Yeah, I'm just going to quickly... Because we've played 69 games, that means there's 13 left. So he'd probably have to score about at at least a point in every remaining game and two in about half of them. Yeah, okay, he's at 78 right now. Yeah, so to get to 90, he would need 12 points in 13 games. 100 would be probably out of the question. Yeah, he was... Yeah, it would be out of the question if he was, like, not McDavid. Yeah. McDavid could hit. But you know what's really cool, Tim, is that Tim Stutzla really is only four goals away. And this is something I didn't actually realize. Do you know who the last high, like, last 35, 40 goal score was for the Ottawa Senators? Probably Heatley. Danny Heatley, 39 in his last season. It's been 14 years since we had a guy that hit almost 40 goals. I think Milan McCulloch, I think he hit 35 one year, I want to say. Yeah. But yeah, like Tim Stutzla, he's the closest guy to hit 40 right now. Yeah, he has. According to the site, as of uh, tonight, he has 35. So if he can pot five more, yeah, it'll be the first guy since Heatley to score 40 goals in a Sens jersey. Yeah. Now, I actually saw a post, I believe it was on either Facebook or Twitter this past week. And they were posing the question, uh, what is the most underrated or underappreciated storyline of the year. I put in the fact that Tim Stutzla at 21 years old is having the areas because nobody's talking about this right now. You're starting to see it get more recognition, at least on the TV broadcasts. Like uh, Gary Galley seems to have taken a massive liking to Tim Stutzla. Like I've noticed in the national broadcast, he'll spend half the game talking about Tim Stutzla, even when Stutzla's off the ice. Yeah. He's getting his due. Now, I did want to talk about the goaltending real quick, because from what I was seeing, it looked like the goaltender was was getting absolutely lit up by Colorado, minus the Eller goal. But from the review, when I was watching those goals, they're goals that there's really not a whole lot he could have done on that. Yeah, like most of the goals, they were pretty nice goals. Although the Makar, the Rodriguez goal, that can't go in. Like bad shooting location, kind of a weak shot. The Makar goal, the Rantanen goal, for sure. The Rodriguez one, no. And the Nichushkin one, that's just going to happen on a power play. Yeah. Yeah, so I can't really hold the goal t- the goalie responsible for that. It sucks when you let up five, 
But again, you're going up against the defending cup champs. Sure, but an 83% save percentage. It's you not, gotta be better. Yes. And admittedly, one of those wasn't a goal. That goal was brutal. Yeah, it's the best word to describe it. So, Tim, I think it's time to head off into the third and final game of the evening. Leafs versus Senators. This is a 5-4 to four Leafs shootout victory. Leafs goals are scored by Kelly Youngkronk with two, Jake McCabe and Mitch Marner. Sens goals are scored by Brady Chuck with two, Julian Gauthier and Tim Stutzluck. Shots were 52-29 for the Senators. Two words to describe this game. Cardiac arrest. Yeah. It was just a rough game. And again, you need better from Sogard. Like, I think next year he hopefully gets more time to cook in Belleville. Because where the goals were going in from, like, one of the, like, the McCabe goal was kind of weak. Yeah, especially first shot of the game. Yeah. The Yarncroc goals weren't terrible. But yeah, let in four goals on uh, three expected. Well, Matt Murray, I don't want to say he had a revenge game. He had a revenge shootout, that's for sure. But Matt Murray uh, played. Matt Murray really was the only reason the Leafs were in that game. Mm -hmm. No, 100%. And that's one of the things I have in my notes because their defense sucked in that game. But not only that, they're big guys didn't really show up to play either. Yeah. Well, it's like, I think they played the night before they did in Carolina. Like that is a tough back to back for them. But also it's like Morgan Riley didn't play a lot. Luke Shen only played 13 minutes. So they effectively played that game with five defensemen and Jarrett Hole played more than Morgan Riley, which is uh questionable decision-making at its best. It very much is. Now, there's two guys for the Sens I think I feel we need to talk about. Yeah. Tim Stutzler. One goal, one assist, two points on three shots. I mean, what a wrister to let that shot go. Holy mama, yeah. It was beautiful. Now, the big guy we got to talk about. This is an argument I want to bring up. Do we start? No, do we keep the captain shit moniker or do we refer to him as big game Brady? Brady Chuck, two goals on eight shots in this game. I think big game Brady is a big one. I like that one. Yeah. Well, because even like the goal that originally tied it up at four, I was so excited. I could not believe we tied it. I Here's the shitty thing. I knew we were fucking offside. And I was really hoping nobody caught that. And they called it for offside. I turned the game off. I was so mad. I was just like, nope. <laughs> Put the remote down. I just sat there. I was upset. Katrina looks at her phone, looks over at me and be like, oh, you might want to turn the game back on. And she looked at, she saw the score and I was like, <laughs> I turned the game back on and Brady had tied it up. Yeah. Well, it's funny because like uh, in the uh, Colorado game, Debrinkat almost tied it up, but then he just got freaking robbed again. Actually, it was funny. I was texting my buddy after the game, and I was like, man, I wish Ottawa had a real goalie. Because that is definitely a game that Ottawa, nine times out of ten, Ottawa wins that. Oh, easy. Easy. Well, I mean, God, at the end of the first period, I think we were out shooting them 19 to 5 or something. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like, how are we not dominating them right now you play a game that was on their back-to-back -back from carolina defense is terrible your big guys are not showing up matt murray's the only reason they're toronto held in there Sogard kind like he's a rookie goalie i get it i just wonder uh like and the Sens are playing tonight against uh pittsburgh and they pulled it they're playing a goaltender that they picked up from the Marlies for future considerations. Dylan Ferguson. Yeah. So it's 
Whom, by the just way, I'm just, sorry, I was going to say, Tim, I'm just looking at the box score. Dylan Ferguson's definitely getting to work in tonight. Yeah, He's Ottawa has left him to dry. Good Lord. So it's like, admittedly, in like the Edmonton game, Sogard was not given anything to work with. No. But the Colorado game and definitely the Toronto game needed to be better. No, it definitely needed to be better. I 100% agree with you on this. Now, I mention this every time that the Leafs play the Sens in Ottawa. Again, the Toronto fans showed up for this game in the CTC. Honestly, this is one of these games I really wish Ottawa fans would buy up the tickets because I hate watching the Battle of Ontario when the games are in Ottawa and the entire crowd is all Toronto fans. Oh, definitely. And the annoying thing is, is like, because of how expensive Toronto tickets are in Toronto, it just makes financial sense for set like for them to just buy tickets or season ticket holders to sell the tickets. Yeah, I get why. I get why they go to, you know, Buffalo and Ottawa and Montreal and those cities, but it's like nobody really wants to see the Toronto fans there. It's just yeah. like, because, I mean, and you've been to Battle of Ontario games in Ottawa. You know how the fans are like. Yep. Adam, our bud Adam, he's been to those in games in Buffalo. And he said the same thing. He says, there's more fights in the stands than there is on the ice. Yeah, and, like, more people, like, hey, it's more work for security. And, like, I get it. There's a selection effect going on. But, yeah, it's just... I wish the fans would at least be better behaved. And I think that's what really puts a sour taste in my mouth when it comes to the Leafs fans, because you always hear horror stories about what they're like in other fans' buildings. Especially, like, we were talking about, like, Buffalo. 10,000 Leaf fans go down to Buffalo to watch them. Yep. And there's always bullshit that happens there. Same thing in Ottawa. Same thing in Vancouver. Same thing wherever the hell Toronto fans end up. I'm not saying that it's all the, I'm not saying all the fans are like this because I've met some Lee fans and they're pretty good. Yep. Same. But it's always the ones who get liquored up, run their mouth, think that they're impervious to anything. That's what drives me crazy. It's like, okay, if you're going to go to another building, that's cool that you're there to watch your team. But be respectful to the fact you're not in your home building. Yep. I don't understand why people can't understand that. It's like, I get it. You know, you want to have fun. You want to go to a game and have a few drinks. But be respectful when you go. Like, I went to a Canucks Flames game last season, and there was almost a fight in the stands. And I get it. There's a rivalry. But there's a difference between banter and just being an asshole. Yep. There is a very clear line. Yeah. And it's just like, I wonder if it's just too much to ask sports fans to behave. But then again, I guess it's, we're curving on on a grade here because uh, I have been told that soccer in other parts of the world is uh, putting hockey to shame. In terms of uh, fan poor behavior. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. But hockey, I think they get outdone by even the NFL. Yeah. Like, with Raiders fans, the Eagles, the Steelers, you know, those big teams. I've heard, and I'm a Seattle fan, I've heard the Seahawks fans outside of Seattle can be pretty brutal, too. But I think that I think that's every fan base, though. I think every fan base has that group of people who are just fucking assholes to deal with when they go watch and play. Yeah. Although I guess like Philly fans, they're just ass. They're even, they're just assholes in Philadelphia. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's the story of them throwing shit at Santa Claus. Yeah. Or the bracelets on the ice. Yeah. Although New York fans are pretty bad too, though. Right. Honestly, that whole Northeast, let's let's be honest. Philly, Boston, New York, they're rough. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was pretty funny. Like when they were sh- showing this, they were scanning the cr- the fans in the crowd, and I'm just like, ugh, you know, I'm getting you know frustrated and whatever. And Katrina just looks at me. She goes, "So what I'm hearing is that if we ever go to an Ottawa game, make sure we don't see them when Toronto's in town." I'm like, "Yes, yeah, yeah," because you know, like Katrina and I have plans to go to like all these NHL arenas. Like one day we are going to go to Toronto. Even as a Sens fan, I will bite my tongue and I will be respectful. Yep. I'll just go watch a game as a hockey fan. I can do that. Yep. So. Although, like, it was funny uh, when I went to see the Sens, ga- Sens play in Calgary. Like, Sens fans were trying to get the go, Sens, go chance. But that was about as far as it went. As far as it should go. Yeah. So, Tim. I don't have any more comments to make on these games. If you want to head up to the close for another episode. Yeah, let's do her. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the third line plug. Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Cause believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google play, as well as on Instagram and Twitter at third line plug. I'm on both at great white Kipster and Tim's on Twitter at M nine Oh one. Honey badger. Mm-hmm. So, Tammy, you might have noticed that we didn't talk about the Calgary game this week because it would have been four games, but we talked about last week. So, yep. this coming week, four games on the schedule. Tonight's game, we are in Pittsburgh to play the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's another building I have on my calendar. Tuesday, we are in Boston for a back-to-back in Boston to play the Bruins. Thursday, we come home to play the Tampa Bay Lightning. And Saturday, we travel to New Jersey to play the New Jersey Devils. They all could be good games. Depends uh, just which Ottawa are we getting. 100%. And it's funny, going back to what I was saying about like Katrina and I want to do the sports thing, it's like, especially in the Northeast, you could probably go see five teams within, what, 200 miles? Yeah. Because you've got the Isles, the Rangers, Devils, Flyers, potentially Pittsburgh, but you'd have to kind of fly there to get there. And maybe Boston, if you want to throw them in the mix. Well, it's just the Northeast is so dense. Yeah, that would be like that would be like a big trip, though. That would be the one that a lot of planning would have to go into that. Oh, yeah, for sure. But at least with here on the West Coast, at least like you can drive down to California, go see the Kraken, go into California, go see the Sharks, the Kings, the Ducks. Yeah, no, I think that'd be a good time. I think so. Until next week, guys. I'm your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go, Woo!